You'll think of it later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You guys ready to start uh, Mandalorian? Mandalorian. Let's try it. Welcome to the Rebel Alliance Prison Room Podcast. We are here to podcast about anything and everything Star Wars with you. Please visit our website where you can play current and past episodes. That's HTTPS colon backslash backslash R-A-B-R That's R-A-B-R dot K-A-I-L-E-J-O-H-A-N-S-E-N dot U-S. On the left-hand side is a navigation menu. You can use this to learn how to load the Rebel Alliance Bridge Room podcast on your Android or Apple phone and tablet. And we have direct links to our podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts. Please participate by connecting to our social media, answering questions of the week, or submitting feedback directly from the site. Again, all of these are available at the Rebel Alliance Bridge Room website at R-A-B-R-K-A-I-L-E-J-O-H-A-N-S-E-N dot U-S. And of course, Rick is over there somewhere on the left or right. I don't know where he's at. Um, well, below, me, below me somewhere. Rick is here today, too. So we got a full house again. Today, uh, this uh, episode, I guess, we're talking about Star Wars, The Mandalorian, Season 3, Chapter 18, which was called The Minds of Mandalore. Um, and we don't have any news in this episode because I don't want to waste a bunch of time. We all want to get out of here, I'm sure. So, uh, let's go right into the spoiler thing. So, if you haven't watched the episode of Mandalorian, go back and watch it right now, or you're going to be spoiled, right? So, uh, this episode, director was Rachel Morrison. Writer, of course, was John Favreau. Um, and it was edited by Dylan Frischine. Um, our cast, of course, we had uh, Din Djarin, Pedro Pascal, a couple of his body doubles, uh, Brendan, Brandon Wayne and Latif Crowder. Um, Bo-Katan was played by Katie Sakaloff. So, so is we he had, injured or something? Is who? that why body doubles? No, he just uh, doesn't have to suit up every time. He, I, I think mostly what he does through the entire episode is is use his voice. He doesn't actually suit up. These body wow. doubles suit up most of the time. Uh, we had Peli Mato again, Amy Sedaris. Um, there was a Rodinian customer at the beginning that was getting swindled. That was voiced by Don Dinger. And the Jawas um, were actually uh, people, um, Liani Shui and Ariel Shui uh, were, were the two, uh, two or three Jawas that we saw. They did, there's three of them, but I think actually two of them had voices that spoke. So hmm. um, we, we, wah, those are the wah, ones wah, there. Wah. Exactly, and and she uh, spoke. Uh, Pelly spoke Jawaese too. It was pretty uh, funny watching her. 
try to speak well, that. You know, she's had one. Yeah, well, she, she dated she one, right? A, she has an accent. It's hard with her dialect. They couldn't quite understand her. Yeah, she's got the uh, she's got a Tatooine accent, Mossizing spaceport accent. Her she's from the south. Bless her heart. Really well Bless done. Her Yep. So let's go with this episode. We're gonna um, go with the uh, Taco Tuesday commercial. We are proud to welcome our latest sponsor, Juan's Cantina, where every first week of the month on the standard galactic calendar, we celebrate what the ancients call Cinco de Mayo. Come join us at Juan's for the food, mariachi music, and 34 flavors of margaritas. That's Juan's Cantina right next to the Hangar 94 of Mos Eisley Spaceport. On day two of the week is Taco Tuesday. All tacos are half a credit each and enjoyed with our house margaritas. Juan's Cantina also serves the galactically famous Dos Camarones Azul Cerveza, imported directly from Kessel. Thank you again for our latest sponsor, Juan's Cantina. Cerveza, por favor. favor. Give me some of that that blue shrimp cerveza. I want the the hot sauce. (laughs) Hot sauce, The Darth Vader, Darth Vader sauce. The the hot sauce in in this galaxy comes with a little bit of radiation too. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> if it's served in lead, you're safe. Yeah. yeah. All right. So this was the Mandalorian season three, chapter eighteen, "The Minds of Mandalore." First aired on March eighth. This one was forty five minutes long, and. Uh, of course, this takes place uh, nine years after the Battle of Yavin, which basically puts us uh, two or three years past the Return of the Jedi. Um, and that means it's time to grab your favorite beverage, pull up a chair, and join us in the Rebel Alliance briefing room. I need a oh, song oh, to oh, play oh, after that. Wait for me, I got a wipe. There we go. What? White? I got a wipe. Hold on. Okay. Okay, I'm done. Oh, okay. <laughs> on the planet Tatooine it is Bentua Eve uh, the residents are celebrating with fireworks and in hangar 3-5 a Rodanian argues with a mechanic Pelimato and I wanted to she stop here a... before I get too far yeah, but were you guys taco. That, that was right, he, get... he was an argument his... he didn't get his free taco did you, uh, did you guys notice um, I was afraid at the beginning of the episode when I saw the little speeders racing through this town. Uh-huh. We we're going to get another another episode with some some racing going on. Yeah. Were you guys even f- afraid of that at first second? The pod racing. What were we racing for? Yeah, I thought that too. I was like, oh no, let's not do a racing episode. But yeah, they went directly into to Pelly's. Yeah. Pelly's running a little scam there. It looks like she's uh, she talks about fixing up the speeder for him. Uh, points out, oh no, there's there's so many missing parts here. What do we do? Okay. Um, I can order them from the mid rim. She says, estimates of time repaired take up to two months. Uh, when the Rodinian complains, she says, oh, you know, just for you, I'll put a rush on it, mm-hmm. on the condition that the Rodinian pay half up front. After the Rodinian reluctantly hands her some money, she complains they're retreating. Uh, back that she will have to work on Buntu uh, Eve and that she have, should have charged him more for marking 
making her work on the holiday. And that's where we oh, see uh, issues. Yeah. Supply that's where she uh, galactic wide. Mando on his speeder. Yeah. Uh she gets her uh droids to push uh her pit droids to, to check the make sure the Rodinian is gone and she calls out uh calls the Jawas in and reveals that she's running a scam with the Jawas stealing the parts and whoever comes in for repairs, the Jawas put their parts back. Uh, and they paint them to make them look like they're different. Yeah. Uh, those shady she, mechanics. They come for their, she charges them for the stolen parts. Uh, yeah. The Jawas demand credits for their work. And she gives them one coin or something, and they're like, uh uh. And she gives them two. It looks like she they, she's trying to cheat them, too. It looks like. Yeah, you're, uh, you're like a softy. Yeah. Uh, and then we hear, of course, like Scott said, we hear Dinjarin's in one Starfighter. <laughs> Sounds like a race car. <laughs> and Motto tells the Jawas to leave with instructions to strip another speeder. She crows about how good the N1 Starfighter engines sound, despite Din Djarin saying that he has no complaints about its performance. He says something about it's still too fast for him. Faster than he can handle, what he says. She promises to tune it up anyway. Yeah. Then she asks, where's Grogu? Where's he at? And he pops over the top. I'm here. Uh, and he uses the force to flip out of the cockpit into uh, Pelly's arms. I would, give, She's, I, would uh, a, I would give that a 9.9. It's a pretty good flip, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, he didn't He didn't stick the landing. He nope. was a little wobbly. He was. He was a little wobbly. Nine but he didn't, he didn't fall, though, so that's Two. a good sign. So he's still on the nines. Uh, she suggests to Din Djarin that Grogu... Uh, said his first word, Pelly. Uh, <laughs> ignores his claim, her claim, and declares that he is there for business. Uh oh, down to business. Mato asks what the business is and suggests that he uh, is he going to take down Boba Fett, or are the huts back? Have they returned? Uh, when Dinjarin responds that he's only looking for a droid part, she declares it boring. Oh. Oh, that's so funny. I'm watching it right now. Um, when he was lifting off in the background, the panheads or whatever they those things are, one had one of those drives that they needed for that machine. Yep. <laughs> yep. He was spinning around, didn't know which way to go. That's funny. That's yep. so funny how that thing keeps popping up, that transmission. Uh, and then she calls the pit droids, the Jawas, come back in so they can um, make a deal with Dinjarin. Uh, specifications are an IG series memory chip. And she jokingly calls him a grandpa. You're old, man. We haven't made those forever. Uh, when the Jawas return, she asks them if they have the memory circuit and that Dinjarin is looking for. But they have inform her that... Uh, Good luck with that. She, they don't have that and haven't had one of those for a long time. Uh, 
Go right down, Zoe. At Dinjarin's complaint, he needs a droid. Uh, he needs the droid fixed immediately. Mato suggests buying the dilapidated R R five series astromech droid, which is the the droid that had the uh, overheated motivator on uh, New Hope. Yep. Um, she she's it's the only one she has in the hangar bay that is worth anything. Um, and, and Dendrin says that she needs a droid that's able to spelunk. She's like, what, what are you doing with these things? Uh, Dendrin explains that he's going to the, to Mandalore and requires an astromech to go ahead of him, um, and test the atmosphere to make sure it's safe for him to, to breathe. Uh, the R4 or R5 D4 astromech begins to shake and back away. But Motto tells it to get back in into line and claims that it's just as good as when it was fighting in the rebellion, and, and that's when she puts her slaps her hand on it and part flies off. Right? Mm -hmm. It's just um, cosmetic. cosmetic. She reoffers. Yeah, she offers to reinstall the uh, the astromedic port in his uh, starfighter, uh, so the astromech can co-pilot and sells him. The droid for half the price with a free oil bath. I think the droid kind of likes that uh, droid oil bath idea. Uh, Dingerin accepts in the night falls. Uh, Rogu and the R5-D4 are in the Starfighter. Uh, almost ready to take off. And Motto admonishes the droid, telling him to be draver, braver and tells Din that the R5 circuitry is fragile and that he should not rely on it. When Din protests, pointing out that she has claimed it was built for adventure, she sets the cockpit and says she cannot hear him. Her engines are too loud. Ha! Ah, what'd you say? And uh, Din Jiren, uh takes off, probably with the astromech droid leaving, uh, piloting. Uh, as Dinjarin and Grogu arrive in the vicinity of Mandalore, uh, Dinjarin assures Grogu that while it may look scary with its turbulent storm clouds, it was once a beautiful and vibrant uh, back in the day when the songs uh, were made. Dinjarin knows about Mandalore, Mandalore uh, things that he knows were written down, and he tells Grogu that uh, it is the homeworld of their people that every Mandalorian can trace their roots back to that planet and its Beskar mines. Uh, he confesses that he's never been to Mandalore, but instead grew up on the Mandalore moon uh, Concordia. And he points uh, to the moon uh, off of the distance. Way, way out there. Up that way. Um, which they can see, and then they can also uh, he points to uh, Calva, uh, where they uh, visited Bo-Katan earlier, uh, last episode. Um, he then points uh, to the scope, which shows uh, three uh, astronomical bodies that he mentioned, explaining to Grogu that Mandalorians must be skilled at reading maps so they do not get lost. You must memorize your map. 
as a ship descends through the atmosphere of Mandalore, the clouds uh, buffer R5D4 and causes the ship's systems to flicker. When they have broken through the clouds, Dinjarin suggests that the fusion bombs from the Great Purge disrupted the magnetic field around the planet, preventing communications out of the atmosphere. The ship lands in a clearing surrounded by jagged pieces of green triton tritonite. Dinjarin orders R5 to scout ahead and test the atmosphere in the mines. R5 reluctantly uh, treadles off. Um, I think uh, Dinjarin says he wasn't asking. He was uh, giving him an order, basically, right? Grogu shows concern for the R5. Dinjarin says they can watch on the scope, which shows a red drop traveling away before it abruptly disappears. Uh-oh. Oops. As Dinjarin unsuccessfully tries to raise the R5 on comms, the ship's systems flicker again, and, and then Dinjarin says it's probably atmospheric interference. But Grogu uh, is still still distressed. Leaving the ship to go, he leaves the ship and go to go find R5 after pressurizing his helmet. Uh, Dinjarin enters a gloomy green cave, walking slowly, and he can see the ruins of the underground city. He is suddenly attacked by three Almonites with clubs who successfully make him drop his blaster. Uh, unable to reach his blaster, Dinjarin pulls out the dark saber. Still through which he, which he swings clumsily uh, as the blade remains heavy. Still needs some training, doesn't he? Unless yeah, he eventually defeats, nevertheless, he eventually defeats the Almonites, at which point the R5 beeps and Dinjarin turns to find the overturned droid in a pile of rocks. Riding it upright, uh, Dinjarin and the droid returns to the starfighter. And yes, he, he did struggle quite a bit with that, that blade. It was very heavy for him, it looked like. Which we'll talk about here later in the further on. When, I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, when when Dinjarin receives the atmospheric readings from R5, he discovers that the air is breathable and declares that uh, Bo-Katan Krizzle was right and Mandalore is not cursed. It is not. He takes Grogu into the cave, wow. pausing at the precept before them, and Grogu and tells Grogu that it is once the civic center. Uh, and this is where uh, uh, Bo-Katan told him to go. He uses his jetpack, and Grogu uses his hover hover bram to descend past the mangled metal skeletons of buildings pausing on a girder to tell Gurgo that the mines are further down and that they were on their own from here. Uh, they continued sending down a well, down well past the ancient water pipes before landing on the bottom. They proceed through a large tunnel with more water pipes branching off it and several reptilian creatures observe them unnoticed by Dingerin. Uh, Turning in, into a smaller tunnel, uh, Dinjarin discovers that the 
Uh, debris beneath their feet includes an old Mandalorian helmet. Uh-oh. And he uh, he picks up that helmet. And boom, he's trapped in a trap. Uh, some mechanical arachnoid with an organic eye uh, takes him uh, in a... He's in a tightly encased metal cage of some sort. Um, like basically, it looks like he's laying down flat. Like um, yeah. And he puts the cage on a rack that almost looks like a rotisserie thing. As it's soon as I saw that, I, I thought of... That's exactly what I thought. I thought it was going to... Because it looked like what they did um, you know, on indoor, the, the little Ewoks or whatever with the... Yeah, C-3PO yeah. and all of them, they put them on the spigots and uh, Han Solo and everything, and we're going to cook them and eat them. I'm afraid he's our dinner tonight. He was going to be steamed in his uh, Beskar armor. Exactly. The mechanical creature with six limbs and, and quills comes out of the, uh, the uh, larger arachnoid uh, device, and Grogu watches this from the shadows. He he leaves his his uh you know pram is what they call it for a better view when the creature has disarmed uh Dingerin and wanders off to get some cables. Grogu approaches and attempts to free him with the force. His hands shaking. It's like um, but a, instead a piece of machinery breaks off. Uh, <clears throat> And make makes a really loud uh, noise, of course. Um, and uh, the creature notices, of course, and turns his head and sees everything. And Dinjarin tells Grogu to go get Bo-Katan. His voice is very weak as the creature attempts to re- electrocute Grogu with a staff. It misses, which I think it actually hits him, but it propels him further forward. He like jumps after it, yeah, or yeah. something like that. Um, Grogu gets into his little, uh, you know, thing and speeds towards the surface. He manages to, to dodge one of the reptilian creatures that lunges out at him, but is met at the mouth of the cave by an almanite. <clears throat> and he, it, his sting, like, he stops. He almost falls out. He stops so hard. Like, whoa! <clears throat> he force pushes the almanite away from the cave mouth and races towards the ship. Closing the canopy behind him just in time before the reptilian creature smashes into it in an attempt to get Grogu. Grogu points to the view screen and tells the astromech, this is where you need to go as the ship begins to take off. Then we see Bo-Katan's droid walking up to her and says that... uh, an unexpected visitor has arrived. As she sees the uh, N1 through the narrow windows of the throne room, she declare, declares, let's get, rid of him. let's get rid of him for once and for all. Instead of Dingerin, however, there's only Grogu in the cockpit. Upon seeing this, Krizil asks, what happened to him? Did he get hurt? Where is he at? Why are you here by yourself? Uh, Grogu can only babble in reply, and she orders the droid to download the data from the astromech to find out where they were. Uh, next thing we know, they're in her ship, uh, flying away towards Mandalore, 
carrying the R2, R5, D4, and Grogu uh, in the uh, cockpit with her. I guess it's a a bigger ship than than this ash, this one that Dinjarin's got. As they come to land in the same clearing Dinjarin had before, uh, she gazes upon the ruins of the city uh, and the dome that once encased it. Uh, suggested by the twisted steel rising from the ground, uh, the land and they land and Bo-Katan and Grogu enter the cave, coming to the uh, precip uh, where she can see the ruins of the uh, city. Bo-Katan tells Grogu that her family once ruled uh, this beautiful civilization, uh, though now it's a tomb for everyone who perished. She then descends towards the floor uh, with her rocket. As they pick their way through the cavern, Grizel tells Grogu that she knew she knew some Jedi, and that Jedi and the Mandalorians once got along really well. She asks Grogu how skilled he is with the Force, reasoning that he must be good if he found his way to her by himself. Then they hear a noise, and she gestures for Grogu to get back and slowly moves forward, watching the crystalline patch of the ceiling. She fires at it with her blaster three three or four times, and then uh, the Almanites fall through the floor and rush her. There's a brief fight with Grizel emerges victorious. She asks, watching Grogu, did you notice your dad? Did you think that your dad was the only Mandalorian? She identifies the beings she fought as Almanites, saying that once once they lived on the surface in the wastelands beyond the dome cities. So maybe they built the domes to protect themselves from these creatures. I don't know. She wonders what else survived given the Almanites were able to endure the purge. Meanwhile, the creature that has captured Dingeran hooks him up to a small droid with a clear tubing through which Dingeran's blood begins to drain. He takes pain groans, but before too much blood can be siphoned off of him, Bo-Katan shoots at the pump droid. The creature is stunned multiple times with it. Stuns her multiple times with a staff. Bo-Katan manages to grab the fallen Darksaber from where the creature threw it uh, while disarming Dinjarin and uses it to absorb the next bolt of electricity before readying herself to fight the creature with the saber and her personal combat shield. Which is interesting. I have a bobblehead with the personal shield with it. She welds the saber far more easily than Dinjarin had in his fight against the Almanites and skewers the creature through the chest. She's she's been practicing more. As the creature falls, she turns to focus. Battle, right? Yeah, she had it before him. Remember, he. Uh, well, but I'm just basically saying, won it from won it from her or won it from uh, uh, what's his name? I guess Moff Gideon. Yeah, who got it from her? I think. As the creature falls, she turns to focus on Dinjarin, who is still in his rotisserie cage and attempts to 
wake him up. While she says she's going to free him, he manages to croak out a warning that there's something behind her. Uh-oh. Dun-dun-dun. The creature manages to crawl away from its metal body to return to the mechanical suit, a big uh, spider suit. And Bo-Katan has to fight it with a dark saber and her shield. She tops off several of its limbs and finally destroys it, hacking it into pieces. Multiple pieces. Uh, Bo-Katan frees uh, Dingerin and sets up a fire over which she heats up some powdered soup. Yummy, the powdered soup. That's my favorite. Eventually, he wakes up and groans and sits up from where she propped him against a rock. Uh, Bo-Katan points out that she saved his life, and he responds by asking how she found him, to which uh, Bo-Katan tells him that Grogu found her and praises his navigational skills. He then points out that Bo-Katan was correct and Mandalore is not cursed. Bo-Katan, however, questions that, saying that there's nothing left of the great society that Mandalore once was. She ruled here once and says that there is nothing still here for her to cling to. Uh, She brings a cup of soup over to uh, the Mando and asks what what is it? And she finds it ironic that he has never had pog soup, which she claims is something that all Mandalorians grew up drinking. Once she, once he finishes the soup, uh, Dindarin gets up and ignores Bo-Katan's protests that he rests. When she says they will get back to it, get back uh, to her ship, he refuses. Uh, he must continue on his mission to the mines of Mandalore where he, he can immerse himself in the living waters to redeem himself. He responds by asking uh, what they are without the creed. What do they stand for? His, his credit, he credits the creed for ensuring the survival of the Mandalorian people in dysphoria, in despair. He acknowledges that he will always be in her debt because she saved his life, but cannot go with her until he has immersed himself. Okay. After this speech, uh, Bo-Katan offers to take him to the waters as he would never find them on his own. As they walk through the ruins, uh, Mando says he finds it difficult to imagine a sitting being filled with Mandalorians as it looks like it has been centuries since its destruction. And the Bo-Katan responds that it's not that long. Not that long. How old do you think I am, boy? Um, but the Empire sought to wipe away their memory as a punishment. Punishment, right, Scott? Dingerin tells uh, Bo-Katan that it might be painful to see the city in ruins like this. Uh, when she has witnessed its beauty. Uh, and Bo-Katan says that it truly pains her to see the Mandalorian in fighting before the purge, meaning uh, the two factions fighting against each other. Uh, the Mandalorians were killing each other for reasons too complicated to articulate as they would not 
uh, resist the Empire's wrath when it came. So they had devastated each other enough that they found it hard to resist the Empire or to fight the Empire. Um, we saw a lot of that, Scott, in the uh, Clone Wars. We saw the uh, different factions and stuff. I think we saw yeah, some yeah. of it in Rebels, too, didn't we? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. It was mostly because in, in um, Clone Wars, we got to see that um, Obi-Wan Kenobi had an affair with uh, uh, Bo-Katan's mother, right? I think so. That was his only love or something like that was, was yeah. his, her mother. Um, blah, blah, blah. Speech. They walk. Uh, not very long. Okay. Um, Dinjurin and Dinjurin responds that they, as they reach the gate and enters a much older part of the city, uh, that the mines are down this, this way. And Bo-Katan reveals that she has been to the living waters before as a child. She spoke of how, uh, as members of the Royal family, she had taken the Mandalorian, uh, tenants publicly, uh, but that it was merely theater for their subjects, a spectacle of a princess reciting, uh, tenants while her father looked on with pride. Uh, Dinjarin suggests that her father was proud that he would, uh, he would like to have known him. Uh, Bo-Katan responds that he was proud of her, but that he was a great man who died defending Mandalore. In response, Dinjarin stops, and when his her face turns to him, he says, uh, this is the way. I think he has something for her. Maybe. They reach the living waters in a vast pool of water. That's all. Accessible by a wide set of stone steps. Before he enters the water, uh, Bo-Katan insists on reading him the commemorative plaque nearby the steps. It records the mines date back to Mandor the Great. And there is a folklore tradition that it was once the lair of the Mythosaur. The Mythosaur skull was adopted as a symbol of their planet because it is said that Mandalore the Great tamed the Mythosaur uh, when she sees that Dindarin is has not reacted to any of her words. She asks if he is all right. You okay? You all right? What's going on there? Uh, when he does not respond, he does not respond, but instead begins removing his jetpack and his weapons uh, and proceeds to walk into the pool. And of course, he's still got his helmet on. And some of his armor, which that stuff's got to be heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so how's he going to prove he's at the water? Or, uh, she's no. his witness. She's the witness. Safe. She's a witness. She she uh, so she's, she's so going to so verify so it. She needs to go back with him. She can't leave him now until he goes back to the armor. He, he probably takes a sample. <laughs> huh? Well, you know. She had that little light that she put up in the air too. Maybe that thing was recording stuff too. So oh yeah, yeah, they selfie. Got, He's probably got a video a of it. That's right. That's right. That's right. Hope it doesn't get photobombed. She has to go back with him to be be the witness, and he has to get uh uh his armor redone or something. 
I don't know about his armor, but um, okay. So he starts taking stuff off, um, and starts to recite the the ritual words. I swear in my name and the name of my ancestor that I shall walk the way of the Mandalore, and the words of the creed shall forever forged in my heart. She's as he finishes, yeah, she's smirking the whole time, and as he finishes, he abruptly. He abruptly disappears underwater because the uh, steps the steps basically end, and and his suit's so heavy he just falls right to the bottom. Right, he missed the sign. Watch your step. Yeah, he missed the sign. He walks off a shallow shelf and is fallen down a deep trench below. Uh, Bo-Katan dives in after him, using her jetpack to propel her to the bottom, which I find weird. That a jetpack can work underwater, but whatever. Um, he took his off, right? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, hers isn't. She uses it to propel herself down, which, like I said, that's kind of weird that it works underwater. Um, she dives down to the bottom and finds Dindrin unmoving his unmoving body and carries him towards the surface. Once again, assisted by her jetpack. On the way up, so she could see him. That's funny. Hey, on the way back up, she uses her light and, and sees a giant reptilian creature with white horns whose eyes open as Krizil helmets lights illuminate it. A mythosaur. They speed away, making it to the surface where they lie there on the steps. Dingerin is wheezing and coughing as he revi- as he is revived. And oh, that's cool. Pokatan takes great heaving breaths. As she stares out into the waters, probably wondering if that uh, mythosaur is going to come out of that water, right, Rick? Well, the mythosaur's head looks kind of like the Mando helmet. Yeah, well, that's probably the point. That was, da, the, da, yeah, da. yeah. A lot of their, uh, a lot of their look, a lot of their their uh, religion and stuff is based off of the mythosaur, so. And that's you know the horns and everything. That's the uh, symbol, you know. Yeah. Where is it? I got it back here. It's on the side. Yep. Boba Fett's got it on the side of his jacket. You can't see it because it's yellow, but he's got it right there. Oh no! I lost the uh, words of Master Yoda. All right, so uh, that's that's when the uh, credits come up as she's staring at the waters, thinking that maybe that creature's going to come out of the water and get her. She's bait. Yeah. You think uh, you think they escape? I think they probably do. Yeah, the that's are, they, they die. That'd they be both die right there. They're not in any future episodes. Nope, it's just Grogu. Grogu. Nope. Grogu becomes the Mandalorian. He learns. <laughs> he starts. He starts he wearing a helmet. Yeah, learns he the dark saber. Mando. Yep. Yep. So, what do you think is a good question of the week for this one? Is uh, you know, does the Mythosar chase him back to the surface? What What do we think? Uh, uh well, is uh. Was, uh... Does Bo-Katan go back in the water and yeah, take another look? Does Bo-Katan now believe the the history of the Mythosar? 
Yeah, she always thought it was a legend, right? Yeah. So now, so, so shout. I I would say is Bogotan re re-energized about getting becoming the leader of the Mandalores. Well, I'm pretty I sure think... she. Could, I'm pretty sure she could kick Mando's ass with Mando having to use the black the black saber, the dark saber. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, because because he's 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 in possession of the saber right now, so she has to she has to win it in battle. Is how it works. So I think they get married and they live happily ever after. Oh, that's so have little Mandos. And 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 Grogu becomes their baby. Oh, oh, oh freaking! Oh my God! <laughs> Hold on, Kleenex moment. Get the Kleenex out. It's, it's a romance. We've been duped all these years. It's a romance. <laughs> oh, puking right now as we speak. All this stuff, and then you know she goes to him instead in, instead of me. Yeah. Damn her. I don't think there's gonna be no discharges. You forget she becomes a she becomes a Cylon and uh, a and Cylon. That's all. Everything happens. Oh, everything man. happens again. <laughs> Everything a happens silence. over and over again. Ooh, 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 ooh. That's right. That's right. Okay, so let's do uh, let's do our feedback plea again. Yeah, something like that. So yeah, um, you know, this uh, show would be uh, much more fun if we had people responding and feeding back to us. Um, we'd have uh, more than just our stupid opinions about uh, Cylons and everything. Wow! Wow! Calling our what? opinions stupid. Did you hear well, that? Yeah. Send us some feedback and tell me different. So I'm offended now. My rom com no, theory. I'm, I'm offended too. I'm going <laughs> up with your door now. Maybe, maybe somebody's got. Idea. Maybe somebody likes those ideas, and they'll have to send us feedback. See. Oh yeah, it's just your two next week. I have to work. Okay. I forgot we'll see. That. Maybe Rick's going to skip out too. Who knows? Uh so we got the email address. You can go to our website on the left hand side. What is that email address, Kyle. Uh, feedback at kylejohansson.us. <laughs> <laughs> How yes, that? that's it. How does that feed to you? Back. It feeds feed. back. Feed me. Back. Feed me, Seymour. Feed me. Uh, so you click on the link <laughs> on the website. Over there. No, it's over there. On the left-hand side. And uh, it pulls up a form. You fill that out. And that sends us off to us as well. And actually, when you do it that way, um, either way, they both come to Scott and I at the same time. Wow. Question of the week. Uh, we have I comment section there. Shh. What? Shh. I can't see your mouth. I don't care. There. God. I have to read your lips. Uh, all right. And we are on Twitter at, uh, at 
super underscore duper underscore pod. Uh, and YouTube, of course, where there's comment section there as well. So please. We have an OnlyFans page too. A what? <laughs> Just you. Oh. My, you have a MySpace page? Is that what you said? OnlyFans. No. no. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's only you because. <laughs> You're the old one. <clears throat> I didn't say old. I said only. Oh. I know. It's for old people. It's for old people. You're gonna have to Google that one. <laughs> no, I know what he's talking about. I've I've seen that. Done recording. I've seen it. Uh, anyway, so send us some feedback. You know, tell us that we're crazy about only friends, or um, you <laughs> know, Scott's got a really bald head and you like it, whatever it is, send us some feedback. And the newest flavor is actually Anything else you guys got? Predictions? Ideas? Unfortunately, with the uh, Mandalorian, we don't know what the episode titles are. Why not? Because um, they probably give away stuff if you do. Uh, I don't think no. they've been pretty good episodes starting out. Yeah, they. Well, I mean, so, Mandalorian is usually pretty good, right? There's there is a couple one offs that they do, and then what, all of a sudden, next thing you know, Boba Fett's there. What what's going on? Yeah. Um, so, I think uh, I've heard rumors that um, <laughs> we're going to get to see Boba Fett and Ahsoka this season, but um, they there is talk. Depending on how well the episodes do with Boba Fett, that they'll have a season two of Boba Fett. So, um, and of course, Ahsoka is going to be there because her show is supposed to come out next year. So, about what about Boba Fett's partner? Uh, yeah, she's supposed to be there too. Finnick. your girlfriend, your yeah, girlfriend Finnick. Yeah, your girlfriend Finnick. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let's see how much we're gonna cut out of this. We'll see. You guys have to listen and see. <laughs> you got some editing to Thank do, boy. For listening to the Rebel Alliance Briefing Room podcast, please visit our website where you can play current and past episodes. That's https colon backslash backslash rabr kylejohnson.us. That's r a b r dot. K-A-I-L-E-J-O-H-A-N-S-E-N dot U-S. On the left-hand side is a navigation menu. You can use this to learn how to load the Rebel Alliance Bridging Room podcast on your Android or Apple phone and tablet. And we have direct links to our podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts. Please participate by connecting to our social media, answering questions of the week, or submitting feedback directly from the site. Again, all of these are available at the Rebel Alliance Preacher Room website at R-A-B-R-K-A-I-L-E-J-O-H-A-N-S-E-N.U-S. This podcast in no way is approved, sponsored, or owned by Lucasfilms LTD, Disney, Disney Plus, or any of its subsidiaries. All opinions are solely owned by Kyle and or Scott and in no way express the views or opinions of their past or present employers. 
views and opinions are not supported or restricted by Lucasfilms, LTD, Disney, Disney Plus, or any of its subsidiaries. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or any or other use of this podcast and its affiliate sites without consent of Super Duper Podcast Network and its host is prohibited. I am Kyle John Hanson. This is Andrew Scott Seven. Say goodbye now. And don't forget Rick. Say goodbye, Rick. everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Oh, boy. Bye <laughs> now.